Father, we thank you that you look upon us as your beloved children. And we ask that you would teach us to trust you even when the journey of life gets scary. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace to you and peace from the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We are in our road trip series. This is uh, part three of the series. And today's theme is when the journey gets scary. I thought I'd start off by sharing a true story of a journey that got a little bit scary for myself and our family. Uh, Several years ago, my wife and daughter and I were traveling back toward Arizona, having visited our son and his wife in Houston, Texas. We were returning on Interstate 10 through southern Texas, heading west, and our intention was to stay the night in a hotel in Van Horn, Texas. It got to be nighttime. We were about 30 miles east of the town of Fort Stockton when suddenly we hit what we didn't realize was there. We hit black ice that had coated the freeway. And as soon as we hit that black ice, we started spinning. Fortunately, under God's blessing, we managed to get off the side of the freeway onto the grassy area. We didn't hit anybody or anything. We didn't flip over. We even landed facing the right direction, and the engine's still running. We stopped, and we took a deep breath. We give, gave thanks to God, and we made our way back down the freeway slowly toward the town of Fort Stockton. We got into that town and got the report that the freeway west of Fort Stockton was completely shut down. We were not going to make it to our hotel another 100 miles down the road. We knew we'd have to stay the night there in Fort Stockton. The problem was there were no hotel rooms available. Everything was booked. Lots of people stranded. Gratefully, thankfully, First Baptist Church of Fort Stockton opened up their facility to wayward travelers like us. We happened to have air mattresses and sleeping bags along, and we We're grateful to sleep in a warm place on the floor of the First Baptist Church building in Fort Stockton, Texas, along with about 200 other stranded travelers. The next morning we got up, and after we got clearance to be able to proceed westward, we slowly made our way west on the freeway, and as we did, we saw the results of the night before. There were 18-wheeler trucks flipped on their side with their cargo spilled all over the median. There were cars and vehicles flipped upside down on the side of the freeway from this terrible black ice. And we counted our blessings that God had spared us through what was a rather scary journey. Today's theme is when the journey gets scary. And in this sermon series, we're using the idea of road trip as a metaphor for life this side of heaven. That life is like a journey, and sometimes that journey of life can indeed get scary. It gets scary, for example, when your boss at work says, I'm sorry, we're going to have to lay you off, and you wonder, how will I provide for myself and my family? It gets scary when you're having marriage problems, and you're not sure if the relationship is going to survive. It gets scary when some kind of crisis hits the family. It gets scary when the doctor says it's some kind of illness and you're not quite sure what that means for the future. Indeed, life gets scary. 
For each of these messages during the road trip series, we're taking a look at a Bible story about a certain journey someone was on. And today we're going to look at a journey that got a little bit scary. Last week, you may recall, we, we focused on the Israelites who left Egypt, left slavery in Egypt, and made their way out into the desert led by Moses. And today we're going to pick up that, that part of the story a little bit later on as they approached the promised land, and we're going to see how things got a bit scary for them. Now, on the screen, you're going to see a map of the traditional route that the Israelites took when they left Egypt. So Egypt in the upper left-hand uh, corner of the screen there, you want to follow the red line. The red line, they, they leave Egypt, they cross the Red Sea, and they make their way southward on the Sinai Peninsula. The traditional site of Mount Sinai is near the southern tip of that peninsula where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments and established his covenant with his people. After the event at Sinai, they made their way northward, and they came to the town of Kadesh Barnea, Kadesh Barnea, which is on the southern edge of the promised land of Canaan. They camped there at Kadesh Barnea. And while they were camped there, Moses and Aaron, under God's direction, decided to send 12 of the men into the land of Canaan to check it out on kind of a reconnaissance mission, if you will. And included among those 12 were Joshua and Caleb. They went into the promised land of Canaan and, and observed the people that lived there. They observed the, the richness of the land in terms of its productivity and in, in, uh, making uh, food available and so on. And after they had done their reconnaissance mission, they returned. And when those spies, you might call them, when they returned from Canaan, they brought back, for example, a large cluster of grapes being carried on a pole, along with other fruit from the promised land that demonstrated its richness. And they came back and they reported that, indeed, the land is, is uh, rich with milk and honey. Now, 10 of the spies who came back then proceeded to give a rather negative, we might call it a bad report about the land they had seen. They talked about the people who were large in size, and they said, we cannot attack them. They are much stronger than we are. And what happened was fear took over their hearts and their minds. Joshua and Caleb, however, were the only two who gave a good report, a positive report, and they said that we should go up and take possession of the land. We certainly can do it under God's blessing. And they called the people to trust God's promise that he was going to give them this land. Unfortunately, fear overtook the people. It was a scary experience for them. And we read in Numbers chapter 14 how then the people at large responded to their report. It says, that night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Does this sound familiar? And the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this desert, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? 
Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt, just like we heard them say last week? And then catch the last part. And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. (laughs) Now there's a vision for going forward, huh? Choose a leader and go back. What, back to slavery? Where it really was not very pleasant? What had happened here is that fear overtook their faith. You know, fear can produce devastating results if we allow it to. Fear can paralyze us and prevent us from making any forward progress in life and in faith. Fear can lead to irrational decisions, like the decision to elect a leader to take us back to Egypt. Fear can distract us from God's goodness and from God's wonderful promises that he's made to us. So the first takeaway from this story for our own lives is this. When the journey of life gets scary, don't let fear override your faith. Let faith be prominent. Don't let fear override your faith. You know, that same principle is underscored in today's gospel lesson that you heard a moment ago from Mark chapter 4. In that story, Jesus and his disciples are in a boat, and they're crossing from one side of the Sea of Galilee to the other side. Mark tells us, a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. So you can well imagine this is a scary experience. It goes on to say in verse 38, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Imagine that. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Let's pause there for just a moment. Get the picture. This furious storm is raging, and these are experienced fishermen And Jesus is asleep in the stern of the boat, unconcerned about the storm. They wake him up. Lord, don't you care if we drown, they say. By the way, the image on the screen is actually of a Rembrandt painting of this particular story. And off on the right side of the picture, it's a little hard to see, but the second character from the right is the face of Jesus in the stern of the boat, and the disciples are waking him up, saying, Lord, don't you care? The fact that Jesus was sleeping through the storm says something in itself, that he is not shaken up by the storms that come our way. He is not frightened by the things that frighten us. He is also in the boat with them. As much as to say, I didn't abandon you. I didn't stay off on the shore and let you take this storm on yourself, I'm in the boat with you, and all is fine. I think it's also interesting that when you look at that picture, the mast is in the shape of a cross. Now, I don't know if Rembrandt did that on purpose. He was a man of great faith. But when I look at that, I'm reminded that it was at the cross that our Lord Jesus weathered the worst storm of all, He took on himself the wrath and fury, the storm of God's justice upon sin. 
God the Father poured out his damnation for our sin on innocent Jesus, who had taken sin on himself. He suffered and died in your place and mine on that cross. Why? Because he loves us that much. Because he wants us to spend eternity with him. And in doing so, through faith in Jesus, we are assured that our sins are wiped away and eternal life is open to all who believe in him. Jesus endured the worst storm of all so that you and I could reach the safe harbor of heaven one day. Now, Mark continues in this particular story. He says, Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. In this story, we see Jesus demonstrating his power over storms. And he is far greater than any of our worst fears, whatever may come along on our journey of life. However scary our journey becomes, our Lord is greater than the storms. And sometimes he does what he did in this story. Sometimes he calms the storm around us. But sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes that that external storm continues to rage around us. But what he does beyond that is even more important. And that is he calms the storm within us. He calms our fears, our anxieties, our worries, and replaces that with his peace. That's what he's able to do. He calms the storm inside of us so that we can indeed proceed with confidence. And he calls us to trust him to trust that he is in the storm with us. He's in the boat of life with us. He's on the journey with us, no matter what we face or where we go. And so here's the second takeaway from the message today. When your journey of life gets scary, remember that Jesus is on the journey with you. He hasn't left you alone. He doesn't abandon us when life gets scary. He doesn't abandon us. He abides with us. And if you think about it, that has always been the way God operates with his people. And that takes us back to our road trip, back to the Israelites centuries ago. There's the Israelites. They've now made their way forward. They've wandered in the desert for uh, 40 years or so. And now Moses has died. He's, he's buried on Mount Nebo. His successor is Joshua, the new leader. The first a generation of Israelites who had left slavery out of Egypt, they all died in the desert in their 40 years of wandering. This is now the second generation of Israelites, along with Joshua and Caleb, who are now on the eastern banks of the Jordan River. And they are preparing to cross the river and conquer the land of Canaan to the west, beginning with the rather intimidating walled city of Jericho. So on the map, you see that, that the arrow indicates they are on the east side of the Jordan River. They're going to move west across the river and go first into Jericho, into the promised land. This, of course, 
can produce a, a lot of fear as they think about the, the idea of going into this land and conquering the people that are there. Once again, the opportunity for the fear factor is there to kick in, not only for the people, but also for the leaders, including Joshua. So God speaks to Joshua some profound words of encouragement. We heard those words in the Old Testament reading a moment ago from Joshua chapter 1. But he finishes, God finishes his instructions to Joshua with these words. Verse 9, God says to him, Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. He he tells Joshua to be courageous. And let's be clear on what courage is. You know, courage is not something that is based on our own human resolve or our own sense of fortitude from within. No. Biblically speaking, courage is based on the presence and the promise of God. The reason Joshua could be courageous and strong is because because of God's promise. I will be with you wherever you go. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And you probably know the rest of the story. The people of God did cross the Jordan River in a rather miraculous way. Just as God had parted the Red Sea, so they walked across the sea on dry ground, so also God parted the Jordan River. As soon as the people stepped into the water carrying the Ark of the Covenant, the waters of the Jordan River separated And the people went across on dry ground to the other side. They entered into Canaan. They defeated Jericho. And they settled in the promised land all by God's strength. So here's the third takeaway from the message today. When your journey of life gets scary, exchange your anxiety for God's strength. Exchange your anxiety for God's strength. That's what the people did. They were anxious, but they exchanged that anxiety. God took that anxiety and he replaced it with his strength. And they went into Canaan. You know, if you think about Peter, he was one of those disciples who was on that boat with Jesus. He was probably one of those who woke Jesus up and said, Lord, don't you care we're about to drown here? And Peter Observed Jesus calm the storm on the outside and on the inside. And out of his own experience of seeing Jesus handle a scary situation, years later, he wrote his first letter and he included these words in his letter. Peter wrote, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, for Peter, those were not empty words. Those came right out of his own life experience with Jesus. He was with full confidence able to say, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you because I know it, I've seen it, I've experienced it firsthand. Likewise, St. Paul had his own rather scary journey experiences. He was in a shipwreck one time where he, he and everyone on the ship ended up in the sea 
But God spared all their lives. Nobody drowned. They all made it safely onto an island, and God assured them of his protective hand. Paul had many other scary experiences during his life's journey, and yet after all of that, he was able to write these words to the Philippians. He said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You see, friends, when the journey gets scary, exchange your anxiety for God's strength. Let him handle your worries. He can handle them so much better than we can. And let him give you the strength that he has to give. I want to close with an illustration you may be familiar with. I'm sure some of you have seen at least one of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies featuring Captain Jack Sparrow and his band of pirates. There's been five Pirates of the Caribbean movies in the series, and I understand that a sixth one is in the works, so we'll be watching for that one to come out. But in the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie, Hector Barbosa the evil captain of the Black Pearl ship, turns to Jack Sparrow and he says, Arg, you're off the edge of the map, mate. Here there be monsters. Now, that line, here there be monsters, was not original with the Pirates of the Caribbean. It's been around actually for many years. I was kind of wondering about that and the background of it, and why would any pirate say such a thing? Here there be monsters. And I ran across an illustration that explained the saying. Did you know that in the British Museum in London today, there is an old mariner's chart that was drawn up in the year 1525 outlining the North American coastline? The cartographer who created the map did so from information that was gleaned from ocean-going crews of the day back in the late 1400s and early 1500s. And there were notations on where the reefs might be and where the best harbors could be found. But there were certain sections that were relatively blank. They didn't know what was there. And in those blank sections were notations like the following. Here be giants. Here be fiery scorpions. Here be dragons. In other words, here there be monsters. Now, before the map made its way to the British Museum, it was the prized possession of a British explorer by the name of Sir John Franklin, who lived in the 1800s. But in spite of the value of this map, Sir John Franklin was offended by the fear that the ancient mariners had. And so he scratched out those inscriptions. And in place of the phrases that had once read, here be giants, here be fiery scorpions, here be dragons, he wrote these words across the map. Here is God. And in doing so, He professed his own Christian faith. Friends, when the journey gets scary, first of all, don't let fear override your faith. When the journey gets scary, remember that Jesus is on the journey with you. 
And when the journey gets scary, exchange your anxiety for God's strength. And when the world around you is saying, here there be monsters, then point to your own heart and say, ah, but here is God. And be at peace. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. At this time, we receive the offerings uh, for the Lord's purposes. Uh, Would you also write your name and other information in the black registration booklet in the pew and pass that to your neighbor, please?